0: Tonight, I just want to share, we're probably going to get out of here early uh, tonight, uh, but I just want to share, you know, uh, it, this may be a simple but yet profound uh, message, and, and of course it's Thanksgiving, so um, the theme of my message tonight is a thankful heart is a happy heart or a joyful heart, um, and God wants us to have a happy heart. God wants us to be a joyful people. Amen. I don't know about you, but you know, we sang tonight that he's a good, good father. And you know, our children, when they're happy and they're healthy, you know, that is, a, a, that blesses our hearts. That we know, okay, we're doing something right as parents. Amen. Even though some days we're like, Lord, what are we doing? We don't know what we're doing, but You know, when we look at our children, we see that they're happy and healthy, and they're thankful, they're grateful, amen? That's a reflection, I believe, of their parents, of the children's parents. And, you know, even with us, we reflect our Heavenly Father. We are a reflection because we are His children. And when we have a happy heart, when we have a grateful heart, that shows people that God is good. And the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's the goodness of God. It's people seeing us and watching us joyful and and, uh, full of of the joy of the Lord that they say, we want that. How in the world can you be joyful and happy? Um, You know, even sometimes, you know, even when situations are not going Uh, our way we can still have the joy of the Lord then we can point them to the Lord amen and so um, I believe that God really wants us to get that I know in our house you know our kids sometimes get so so happy that you know I never thought that I would have kids that I, I, I would have to tell stop laughing uh, you know, there are times when they just get on a roll and they just laugh and laugh and laugh. And I never thought that laughter would get on my nerves. And then I have to repent for asking them to stop. Uh, but, you know, God, I don't think he ever gets irritated with us. He, we, he wants us to be full of la- laughter. Amen. And um, so tonight, I just want us to look at uh, some of the things that God wants us to remember and to focus on in order for us to have a grateful heart, which a grateful heart is also a magnet for miracles. You know, so many times we don't experience miracles in our lives is because we focus on the problem. We focus on what we don't have rather than on what we do have. But you know, if we just start thanking God, God, I thank you for the things that I do have. You know, and start counting your blessings before you know it, you forget about what you don't have, and then they, you start attracting those blessings in your life. Amen? And so tonight, I want us to look at um, De- Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 6, um, and um, I want us to, um, I, I was reading before the service as I was praying and asking the Lord uh, what I should share with you tonight. Um, I heard in my spirit the, the, the word remember, remember, and don't forget. Remember and don't forget. And I believe that God wants us to remember. What are we? Yes, we are um, celebrating God, God's goodness. But, you know, there is a historic event that took place um, that we celebrate tomorrow. And so as, as I was thinking about that, I went back and read the story of how Thanksgiving started. And yes, we are citizens, citizens of the kingdom of God, but we're also citizens of a nation of, of America. Amen. And how blessed are we? And I believe that God said to me tonight, he said, go and read the history and don't forget. Don't forget how this nation got started. You know, I'm, even though I was born in Romania and grew up there for 18 years, um, I came here to America. I am very, very patriotic. I love America. And um, sometimes I get too patriotic if that is possible. And my husband has to say, calm down. It's okay. Everything is going to work out. Amen. But as I was praying and, and, and um, remembering the history of our nation, uh, the Lord gave me this scripture because I think there is such a parallel between God leading his people into the promised land and God leading the pilgrims here in the United States. I do believe that the United States of America is a promised land. Amen? And we're going to look at a parallel between the two. And, you know, my goal I believe God's goal before we leave here tonight, because I'm just his mouthpiece, is that we're going to leave here, and we're going to leap for joy. We're going to be so happy and so excited um, to to be here for such a time as this that, you know, it's just going to come out of us. It's just going to flow, and it's going to be contagious, amen, and whoever you come in contact with, um, you know, tomorrow, I pray that that will catch on to everybody that you come uh, around amen because it's so important that we get our focus off of you know the negatives and that we get our focus on the good the good things the goodness of God so De- Deuteronomy chapter 8 let's read and let's just kind of look and see how how does this story how does this uh encounter here in the word compare to our nation So, therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Be aware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statues, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwelling them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiply, multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now, let's look, that's the um, uh, encounter of God talking about the promised land that he gave to the children of Israel. Let's look at the story of, it's just a summary of um, the, the history of the pilgrims coming here uh, to uh, America. In the spring of 1621, after landing at Plymouth the previous year, the pilgrims were not in good condition. They were living in dirt-covered shelters. There was a severe shortage of food, and nearly half of them had died during the winter. Now, going back a little bit further than that, we all know um, that the reason the pilgrims came to this land was because they were uh, fleeing religious persecution, and they were seeking religious freedom. So, you know, in a way, you can look at England as a type of bondage. They were in bondage because they wanted to worship the Lord, but they could not worship the Lord. So then, you know, they didn't go through the desert, but they came through the Atlantic Ocean, right? And that was, um, you know, many, many lives were lost in that process. So, um, so here they, they um, have gone through so much, the ones that um, uh, were still alive. And so they obviously, we um, read in, in, in the history encounters that they obviously needed help. And then we see that there are two Indians. Anybody know the names of the two Indians? Squanto and Samoset? Okay. So, so these two Indians, they had been observing the colony for several days. They decided uh, to enter the camp and welcome the strangers. The pilgrims were very surprised to meet two Indians who actually spoke their language. They spoke English. Squanto, who probably knew more English than any other Indian, I'm so glad I'm doing this because, see, I, I quizzed you, and y'all didn't know. I thought everybody knows this. To me, this is so cool. I just love going back because, you know, like when it comes to history, I don't remember the details, so that's why I have to keep reading it. So I'm so glad. I think that that was really good. I was like, Lord, everybody knows this. So, okay, so we're all getting a refresher. So Squanto, who probably knew more English than any other Indian in North America at the time decided to stay with the pilgrims for the next few months and teach them how to survive in this place. He brought them deer meat and beaver skins. Anybody like deer meat in here? All right, good stuff, healthy stuff. He taught them how to cultivate corn and other new vegetables and how to build Indian-style shelters. He pointed out poisonous plants and showed how plants could be used as medicines. He explained how to dig and cook clams, how to get sap from the maple trees, use fish for fertilizer, and dozens of other skills needed for survival. By the time fall arrived, things were going much better for the pilgrims thanks to the providential help they had received. The corn they planted had grown well. There was enough food to last the winter. They were living comfortably in their Indian-style wigwams and had also managed to build one European-style building out of squared log- logs. Anybody know what that building was, the very first building that they built? It was a church. It was the very first building. And actually, um, if you go um, right here outside of Williamsburg, um, that, where they, the first colony settled here, um, the first building that they built there as well, was uh, in Yorktown, it was also a church. Any of you have been there? Okay, I want to encourage you, if you have some time, even this weekend, um, you know, just to, that's what we did last year for Thanksgiving. We didn't have family coming in, so we kind of went on an adventure. And we ended up in Yorktown, and we got to, you know, actually walk through the first settlement. And um, it was really interesting to show our children. We walked in, you know, the, the um first building that was built, um, which was a church, of course, just the foundation was still remaining, but, um, and it was so neat to see that, you know, they built that as a church, but then they used the church for um, meetings, you know, for government, and then for school, and it was just really, it became the center of that community, and um, it, it that, that that's really, um it, it really blesses, you know, me to see that, you know, even they, they came here, and when they came here, they didn't forget. They remember the Lord. And, you know, it was kind of like in the Bible times, they would build an altar, right? When, when, they, when God would get them through difficult times. And so here, the parallel is that when the pilgrims came, they didn't build an altar, but they built a church. They built the house of the Lord. And so... Um, That was really neat. So then um, they were all in in better health, and um, they knew uh, they had a lot more skills about surviving the new land. So they decided to have a Thanksgiving feast to celebrate their their blessings. Amen? And so they had observed Thanksgiving feasts as religious obligations in England for many years before coming to the New World. So uh, Captain Miles Standish, who led the colony, Um, he invited uh, these wonderful Indians, Squanto and Samoset, um, to come and their immediate families to join them for a celebration. Um, However, they had no idea that these Indian families were very large families, right? And so, um, as the first American Thanksgiving feast was about to begin, the pilgrims were overwhelmed by the large turnout of 90, 90 relatives that Squanto and Samoset brought with them. Can you imagine inviting a couple people to come over for Thanksgiving and uh, say, yeah, bring your family, you know, just come on over. We'll fix a little extra. And then they show up with 90 people. OK, so that's what happened on the, on the first Thanksgiving there. And, uh, of course, the pilgrims were not prepared to feed this gathering of people, uh, especially when you consider that the celebration was to last how many days? The celebration was to last three days. So, feeding 90-some people plus the uh, pilgrims uh, for three days, um, they were definitely not prepared um, food-wise. And so... Uh, Seeing the shortage of food, uh, the Indians gave orders uh, within the first hour of their arrival to go home and get more food. So, guess what they came back bringing? They brought back five deer, many wild turkeys, fish, beans, squash, corn soup, cornbread, and berries. All of these were brought over to the feast. How many of you are having deer tomorrow? Deer meat. Okay. Okay. Uh, No deer meat, but the turkeys. So that's where the turkey started. You know, the Indians brought all these wild turkeys to the feast and, you know, all the other uh, fixings. So, uh, you know, many of the things that we uh, prepare, you know, the sweet potato stuff, sweet potato casserole and all that good stuff. It it was, uh, you know, it's uh, very traditional. So um, I just love this. Don't you just love culture? I love it. Because, uh, you know, you got to talk about food when you talk about culture, right? Uh, every time I meet people from another country, I always ask, you, know, well, what is your food like? And I want to try it because I just love it. It's like you don't experience a culture until you try their food. Amen. So um, so uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, they're having this feast. And so then for three days, um, the Indians and the pilgrims feasted uh, together it was a special time of friendship and thanksgiving between two very different groups of people. Isn't it awesome that we see how God can bring people together in unity and in friendship? So this is, this is also very significant. A peace and friendship agreement was made between Massasoit and Miles Standish Uh, which was the captain, giving the pilgrims the clearing in the forest where an Indian village once stood to build their new town of? What was the new town called? Plymouth. All right. Plymouth. So that was, you remember, we were talking about the real hard winter that many didn't come through. That was the New England winter, okay, this year. Uh, uh, South was a little bit milder. They didn't have uh, as—but that's where it originally started. So on June twentieth, sixteen 1676, the Governing Council of Charleston, Massachusetts, held a meeting to determine best how to express thanksgiving to God for the good fortune that had seen their communities securely established. The Continental Congress issued a Thanksgiving proclamation for November 1782— And 80 years later, President Lincoln declared the last Thursday in November as the official Thanksgiving day. Even later, the U.S. Congress said said the fourth Thursday in November as the special day of observance. So as we look here at how this nation was established and all the sacrifices that the pilgrims went through to come here and establish this nation, and then we fast-forward you know to 2016 and we see you know how we read in Deuteronomy you know a land that flows with milk and honey and abundance and the the land is fertile and all those things there is so, such a, a a similarity between the promised land that God was talking about in the Old Testament that he gave his children and the land that we get to live in and you know I was reading about how you know america has just the the geography and the land and the climate and everything is just uh, optimum for um you know great economy for great agriculture for um just everything it's like it's like you know the perfect the perfect place the perfect country you know to get established and as i was reading you know the history i said lord This truly, the land that we are living in, is truly a promised land from you. And, you know, in God's providence, in here, November of 2016, we get to live in this land of promise. And I believe that God is saying to us, don't forget. Remember me. Remember, here it says, as we were reading in Deuteronomy, he says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Yes, we live in the most blessed nation in the world, but guess what? The success and the wealth can be the very thing that will drive us away from worshiping God. If we're not careful and we, get, we don't remember and we forget, we will get our eyes on the stuff on the blessing and forget the blesser. But here it says that when we remember God who gives us the power to get wealth, he says that he will establish his covenant which he swore to his fathers, to, to our fathers, as it is this day. In other words, God says when you remember me and when you don't forget where I have brought you from and what I have done for you, I can establish my covenant right there because you're grateful because you're thankful i can establish my covenant and the covenant that he's talking about here is the covenant of abraham that we're going to be blessed blessed in the city blessed in the country blessed in the field blessed coming in blessed going out everything that we touch it's blessed amen and so you know it it's not a government it's not the pilgrims it's god you know, I believe if the pilgrims were here, they'd say, don't talk about, don't give us any praise. Don't give us any glory. Give God the glory. He is the one. Amen. And I believe that God wants us to remember him, to remember where he has brought us from, and to tell our children, to raise up our children with that same gratitude. You know, it really hurts my heart to see, you know, we have the, the generation, I believe they call it the millennials, you know, and we see them, you know, they're out in the streets protesting and they refuse to go to classes and, you know, they want their rights and all that. Guys, that's not right. God is not pleased with that. He doesn't want us pitching a fit. He doesn't want us throwing a tantrum. God wants us to be a grateful people. God wants us to trust him. God wants our focus to be on him. And, you know, as as I was praying about that, I said, Lord, you know, I I always say children are a reflection of their parents. And I know sometimes we do our best and, and we raise our kids as good as we know. But ultimately, I believe that if we fail in raising our children the right way it will show in their behavior it's nobody else you know i know they say oh you know our children are being brainwashed in schools and that may be the case but god did not give the schools the responsibility to raise our children god has given us as parents the responsibility to pray with our children to make an altar in our homes and to pray with them let me tell you I grew up in a communist country where evolution was, I mean, if you didn't believe in evolution, if you didn't believe in atheism, if you didn't worship the dictator, you were kicked out of the school. You were per- literally persecuted. You're saying, how can they persecute a child? Uh, they lowered my grades. I, no matter how hard I tried and I studied, and I wanted to be a good student, it was never good enough. And I was always called names, and, and, and you know, teachers would slap us and, and, and you know, uh, ridicule us and, and laugh at us because we were Christian. But I had a mother and a father who knew God and who made sure that I experienced the goodness of God And, you know, when we came around our table and all we had was potato soup to eat, that we were grateful for that. Amen. That we were grateful for a slice of bread with lard on it and some hot tea. Sometimes my mom didn't, we didn't have groceries. And instead of her sending us to bed hungry, she would just fix some uh, toasted bread with lard on it because we didn't have butter. And some hot tea. And she would fill our tummies up with bread and tea. And then we'd go to bed. Guys, let's not get all high and mighty. And, and, and be critical. And, and be ungrateful. Let's be grateful. And say, God, not only do we have a responsibility for ourselves. But we have a responsibility to pass on this grateful spirit. This thankful heart to our children, and not leave it up to the schools to tell our children that they come from monkeys or that socialism is the way to go or communism or whatever you want to call it. It's our responsibility, amen? I know I preach different than Pastor Tim, but I feel that the Lord wants us to to really get our eyes focused in the right direction, and to really humble ourselves. You know, when I came to America, all they allowed me was two suitcases. That's all. I, they said, you can take two suitcases with you. So here I'm moving from, you know, all across, across the world, and all I can take with me is two suitcases of, of clothes and whatever else. And when I came here, I remember all the clothes I brought, they were so ugly, I couldn't wear them. And um, I remember, you know, um, going, my sister-in-law, who had lived here for years, and, and uh, she said, well, we're going to go to the store, and we're going to get you some clothes. And I was so excited, you know, I had watched some movies you know from America and you know they always show you New York City and you know all the you know happy places you know in the movies and uh they I never saw thrift stores in the movies well my sister-in-law took me to the thrift stores not even Walmart I mean she took me to the thrift stores and she says you know we're gonna go and get you some better clothes you know and and so so we go to the Goodwill you know and and um it was a union mission, you know, type of thrift store. And, and we go in there, it's like, I was like in culture shock. I was like, I can't believe I'm in America. And, you know, like what happened to all those pretty stores that I saw in the movies? I mean, they, they had these, I mean, the clothes weren't even hung up. They were in these big bands. And you had to dig through to find, you know, whatever you you wanted or whatever fit you. And, you know, I was like, okay, if this is what you do, you know, let's see what we can find, you know. And, and that was, that w- that was m- our beginnings. I remember us having uh, dinner, and um, my sister was visiting from the West Coast, and, and she said, can you believe there's, they're uh, feeding us expired food? And, um, and I was like, expired food? I mean, I, I just knew there was food. I didn't know food expired, you know. And and my sister said, yes, the food is from the food bank. And I was like, what is the food bank, you know? (laughs) And, you know, all I know was, you know, I saw in the movies these grocery stores where you had 10 different kinds of apples. And you had, you know, everything looked actually, it looked so beautiful, it looked fake. And I was like, is that for real, you know? And, and, you know, so then the next day we go to the food bank, you know, and we go in this warehouse that smelled really bad because probably half the food was, you know, decaying. And, and, you know, we dug through the boxes and, you know, we got us some food. And, you know, I could have become bitter and said, you know, wait a minute, I came to the promised land, you know, and, and I could have, you know, started grumbling and complaining. But I said, Lord, we're going to work our way up. We're going to work hard. We're, you know, we're not going to stay here long. And, you know, my mom and dad, you know, they were in their 50s when they came here. They didn't speak English. And, um, you know, they, they took on jobs working at night, cleaning uh, uh, offices and daycare centers and, and um, you know, whatever they could and, and, uh, for minimum wage. And we had, like, an allowance of, like, $50 a week to get our groceries, and that was for, you know, my sisters. It was a family of five, so we had $10 a week per person to get groceries, and we did it. We got our milk and eggs, and we got our basics, and God took care of us, and we could have said, wait a minute, we had it better in Romania. You know, we're going to turn right back around, and we're going to go back to Romania. We could have done that, but you know what? We said, you know what? We're, We're not looking back. We're going to move forward. We're going to look forward. And, and, you know, we started going to the mall just to, like, look and just, like, be in awe. I remember looking at the price tags, and I'm like, is that a lot of money? You know, I didn't know. You know, like, uh, is $100 for a dress, is that a lot of money? And my sister-in-law was like, oh, yes, you just paid $2 for that dress at the thrift store. So you do the math. <laughs> and, and so... I will never forget. But, you know, looking back on those days, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, you know, everything wasn't handed to me on a silver platter. Because you know what? When I look at these spoiled young people, they were handed everything on the silver platter. And I say, God, please don't allow uh, persecution or famine or anything like that to come on this land. Because of these attitudes. I believe we as a church, God is saying, you be grateful. You remember. And you know what? We are the changing agents. I believe that if we honor God and we say, God, we thank you. We thank you for those days when we struggled and we worked. My first job was cleaning houses and I would go to um elderly people to help them clean their house so they could feel better. And I served and I served. And I remember running that vacuum cleaner. By the way, vacuuming is my least favorite activity in the world. But I remember running that vacuum cleaner and saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm not going to stay here forever. I'm not going to be doing this forever. Lord, I just want to thank you that, Lord, you're working something in me. And he was working character in me. That I would never forget that when his blessings would come, that I would not be a spoiled brat and an entitled person and somebody expecting somebody to do something for me. I believe that God wants us all to humble ourselves and and never forget and say, Lord, I thank you. And you know, when we're faithful in the little things and grateful, do you know that it was... Because I was serving this family in Greenville, South Carolina, and cleaning their house and babysitting, it was as a result of that that I met my Prince Charming. That's how I met Pastor Tim. It was, I was working for his family, for his aunt and uncle there. And it was through that relationship, I was actually there, you know, uh, babysitting. I was the nanny. And Pastor Tim had come in from Virginia and, and uh, for a funeral, and I was there. And, you know, some of you have heard our story, how he said, you know, he walked into the kitchen. I was just there taking instructions of what I needed to do, wash the dishes and feed the girls and put them in the bed so they could go out and make uh, funeral arrangements. And, and um, the last thing on my mind was I was going to meet my husband, right? I, I wasn't dressed for it. I wasn't prepared for it. And in walks, you know, Pastor Tim, and he said, you know, the heaven's open. The hallelujah chorus started singing. A light shone from heaven and a voice. He heard this voice and said, this is your wife. And, you know, he, he, he was smitten. And um he was he was getting ready to turn 30 years old. And you know how many people try to be the matchmaker and try to set him up, you know, with, with a girl because he, you know, he couldn't be a pastor and be single. And um, and God did it. Amen. And 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 then he they got in the car and and he told his aunt and uncle, he said, she's gonna bear my children. And um they were like what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, they're like, we've uh, tried to get you a wife for all these years. And, and uh, you know, now you see somebody for the first time. And, you know, and so then he comes back home and, uh, to the church. And, you know, probably 80% of the church was all single women. And, uh, uh, and he announces to the church that he had met his wife on this trip. Now, we had a very basic conversation, you know. It was like, nice to meet you, and how do you like it here? And um, so that was about it. But he, you all know he's a a man of faith. uh, To get up in front of a a full congregation, 80% of those probably praying and hoping that, you know, he was going to be their wife, their husband. And um, so he he tells everybody, you know, "I, I met my wife. And everybody was like, what? And they were like, who is she? And, and he said, oh, her name is Rodika. And they're like, what? Is she black? No. <laughs> you know, everybody started, you know, trying to figure out who is this Rodika? And, you know, how come she hasn't been introduced to us? And, you know, she has to pass, you know, through our tests, you know, first. And, and uh, so everybody was asking, is she black? Does she? What, what does she look like? Is she is she blonde? Is she brunette? And, and you know, Pastor Jim said, no, I don't remember. I don't know what she looks like. <laughs> I mean, you know, people are like, our pastor has just gone crazy. He is in love with this person, and he doesn't even know what she looks like. Like, is she tall? Is she short? And he's like, I don't know. All I know is there was a light. The glory of God and all I, I just know, I heard God say, she's going to be your wife. And and they were so his best friend, who was the associate pastor at that time, he says, we're going to get in the car. We're going to drive eight hours to Greenville, South Carolina, so I can meet this girl because you are, like, really tearing down everything we built to to um, establish this church. The church was about three years old at that time, and everybody was, like, really upset about this decision so uh so they get in the car about a week or two later and they come to Greenville South Carolina and um in the meantime he asked for my phone number so we had been talking on the phone and um and by the time you know the aunt who was the matchmaker she made sure to film me in on all the details and um so when he came with his best friend and his fiance at that time um they you know when when they showed up at our house, and they were going to meet my parents. Now, my parents were very. My parents raised five girls and three boys, and so the they were very protective of us. And they, my parents, always had to hear from God to make sure that whoever we married was who God wanted for us. So, uh, so my mom had been praying, and my mom speaks very little English. Like her English is, "Thank you, Jesus." Praise the Lord, and I love you. <laughs> those, are, those are her, you know, the extent of her English, and uh, so, you know, they they show up at our house, and um, I get introduced to the to the best friend and his fiance, and then uh, you know we go in the house, and I introduce uh, Pastor Tim to my parents and to my mom. Well, when my mom, Sister Angie, can you stand up? Okay, my mom is about this height right here, and she, my mom wears her hair in a bun. That's, like, the only difference, you know, like, you two could be sisters. And so that's my mom. So imagine my mom coming, and she goes straight to Pastor Tim, and she grabs him, and she starts kissing him on both cheeks, okay? And she keeps, she keeps saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, and she's, like, starting to cry, and, and he looks at me like, is everything Okay? <laughs> And, uh, and I'm like, I am so embarrassed. Now I'm having to translate. I said, Lord, forgive me. Do I change this translation? Do I really tell him what she says? Or do I make something up? So anyway, he, um, my mom starts telling him that the reason she's so excited and overjoyed is because she had a dream. And in the dream, she saw him. And I was like, That's enough. Don't say anything else because, I mean, we weren't even dating, okay? (laughs) We were just talking. And my mom, she had already heard from God. God had already shown him, uh, show her in in a dream. And and so it was a done deal as far as my parents. And I was the first one in our family to marry an American, Uh, and especially someone who didn't uh, speak the language, you know, our language. And so... um, Anyway, that kind of really sped things up because my mom already is like, oh, you know, God already, you know, I saw you in a vision and in a dream and, you know, all of this. And and I love you. You know, she said everything she knew in English, you know. Well, that's all he needed to hear. He's like, well, wow, this is a done deal. God made it easy on him. And so um, we you know, it, 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 the Lord had told Pastor Tim he would get married when he was 30, and he was 17 years old when the Lord told him that. So that was a long time. Uh, he said, I would just want you to prepare, go to school, and, and you know, prepare for, for the ministry. And so everybody he told that to, everybody was like saying, you are crazy. You know, that's like, God doesn't do that. You know, and he's like, well, you know, he told me that, you know, I'm just going to trust him. And, um, so he was, when we met, we met in April, he was getting ready to turn 30 May 1st, May 3rd, May 3rd. So here he's literally weeks away from turning 30. He's like, Lord, I don't, I'm not even dating. I don't even know a person that I would even consider dating. So he was like, okay, God, you know, just don't be late, you know? And then, so we meet, um, it was uh, towards the, um, actually, it was April when we met, because I remember sending him a birthday card, not knowing what God had told him, and, um, and then, you know, we got engaged in June, and then we got married in December, so God's timing is impeccable, because he got married when he was 30, just like God said, he just, you know, he keeps saying, God, uh, uh, he had to wait for me to grow up, um, so, because I'm a little younger than he is, but anyway, um you know, God is in the details. I'm saying all of this to say God is in the details of our lives. And he cares. He cares, uh, he cares about our relationships, our marriages, our children, um, everything. And we owe God so much. you know. And then all he says, all I want you to do is just be thankful. Just be thankful. Just, you know, and teach your children. The virtues and the good manners. You know, I'm so glad that my parents did that uh, to me. And I'm so glad that my parents taught me that working hard is good, is good for you. And there's no shame in making working for minimum wage. And there's no shame in, in serving. Amen? And, and I'm so glad because, you know, I believe that it's better to serve than to be served. Amen? And so... Tonight, I just want to, uh, us to remember, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, for my marriage. I'm grateful for my children. You know, I could just stand here all night long and just tell you story after story of God's goodness. He's just so good. And by the way, my family loves Pastor Tim more than they love me. And he still doesn't speak Romanian. And, you know, they, like they always say, are you treating him good? You know, like, are you taking good care of him? You better be a good girl. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, wait a minute. I'm your daughter. Don't forget, you know. And so, um, you know, but just to give you a little primer, you know, tonight, how about how grateful are you for your relationship with the Lord? that we get to know God. You know, I don't know if you were born in a Christian family like I was or you came to know the Lord later, but it doesn't matter. You know the Lord, right? You are in the best relationship that you can ever be. You are in a relationship with an amazing, awesome God. And that, is, right there, oh, my goodness, we can just be shouting and praising God for three days like the pilgrims did, right? That Thanksgiving or even longer. And so we we are so blessed to be in a country where we don't have to worry about being persecuted for having a relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't have to hide our Bibles on our way to church. Did you know I had to hide my Bible? We had to hide our Bibles on our way to church. Because if we were caught with a Bible, they were confiscated and and we were fined or even imprisoned. And so that's something to be thankful about, you know, that we can come here freely and worship the Lord and not have to worry about the security, the, the, the secret police coming in to arrest us. Amen? That we are truly free. That's something to be grateful about. How about we're grateful for this nation that we live in? Amen? I don't care who is president. Jesus is king. Amen? And if we look at our history and if we remember, who established this nation? It's God. If God was able to establish it, he is able to sustain it. Amen? Yes, it's given us a responsibility, but let's not act like we don't know God because we didn't get our way. Amen? Let's say, God, our hope is in you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And let's just be grateful. And, you know, I know, let's just pray that the tension that we've been feeling. You know, somebody came to our house today to bring us some pies. They baked for us. And it really broke my heart. It, he, he's a father. And he said, will you please pray? Our daughter is disowning us as her parents because we voted differently than she did. Will you pray that, you know, maybe when we come together tomorrow as a family, that God would heal our relationship? No is very sad. Let's pray and let's not be an instrument that brings intention and disunity. Let's love. I don't care who you voted for. You didn't vote for. I love you. You are my brother, you are my sister, and guess what? We're going to be in heaven together. Beyond this living here in the United States and being a citizen We are going to spend eternity together. And if I can't love you and get along with you here, I don't know that I qualify to go to heaven. Amen? Because there's not going to be a Republican corner and a Democrat corner and an independent corner in heaven. It's going to be all one body, one church. Jesus is coming for a church who is unified. So tomorrow... Let's make it a point. Maybe somebody's going to come over to your house or you're going over to somebody's house who didn't vote like you did. How about go overboard and love those people? Just go and love them. And and don't allow the enemy to use this opportunity to bring more tension and to bring more disunity. Let's pray for unity. Amen? Amen. And 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 to pray for our nation because we are truly... So blessed. The poorest person here in the United States is the wealthiest person in other countries. Did you know that the average salary in majority of the countries is $30 a month? $30, imagine trying to live on $30 a month or less. That is the average. How many of you make... More than that, okay? So do you see what I'm saying? You're thinking, oh, it, it, that's impossible. Just think, how would I survive if I made $30 a month? And that is like if you have higher education, if you're a doctor or, you know, uh, uh, you know someone who went and studied, you may be making $40 a month. So there you go, the wealthy in another country that make 40 to $50 a month. And the average is $30. Now you compare those wages with your wages and think of how blessed you are. Think of how blessed we are. Amen. We can be thankful for our families. You know, there's no perfect family. There is no perfect family. We're all crazy in some way or another. Amen. But we got to walk in love. And forgiveness, amen. It's just like if we get into the habit and into the exercise of forgiveness, the more we do it, the, the easier it is. You know, I used to have a very hard time asking, uh, uh, asking for forgiveness, apologizing. I don't know, you know, I think it, the culture that we came from, we didn't really express our emotions. Like we didn't say, I love you and I'm sorry and, you know, all those things. And so when I came here, you know, I like I was like I'm not going to apologize unless like I really, you know, like did something that was obviously bad or wrong. And you know, I was like, Lord, this has to be like pride or something and and I asked the Lord to help me because you know, I'd rather apologize even if I didn't do anything wrong because that brings unity. That brings you know, it's humility. You know, the opposite of humility is pride. So I was walking in pride. And, and the Lord helped me. And, you know, I have no problem saying I'm sorry. I, I really don't. And, you know, our daughter, Morgan, she kind of takes after me to where she says I'm sorry for everything. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, you don't have to say I'm sorry for everything, you know. Um, but, you know, if we walk in forgiveness with our families, we can walk in peace and unity. And we can be grateful Even for the crazy people in our family, amen? Even for the people that we may not see eye to eye or, you know, be in agreement with. How about we're grateful for our church, amen? How about we're grateful we are the family of God, you know? So we have our family and our immediate family, and then we have the the family of God. And um, I'm so grateful for you tonight. Amen. I'm really, really grateful. It's like, wow, God handpicked you to be a part of this family. You know, you're not here by mistake. You, God has chosen you, your DNA and your spiritual DNA to be here, to be a part of this family. And I love the the spirit of unity and of love that we have in this church And um, just what God is doing, his anointing, and I just want more, you know. It's like, God, I thank you for what we have, and just take us higher, you know. Take us into even greater things in the spirit, and because we're grateful, we're going to remember, you know, if you come to the Discover Embassy class, I'm going to talk about the days when we were, you know, the church was boarded up, and there were snakes in there, and, you know, animals that moved in, and, and, you know, we had to scrape the, you know, dirt off the floors. And we're not going to forget where we came from. And we're not going to get all, you know, high and mighty for where we are. It's God. I mean, without God, we couldn't have done, you know, a little addition onto what we had. But God did it, you know. And so we we don't want to forget. We want to be grateful for this opportunity that we have a spiritual house, the house of God that we can come to and fellowship together and, and hear the word of God preached. How many of you are grateful for Pastor Tim and the word that he brings to us every week? I know y'all, some of you are probably going to be saying, I'm really missing Pastor Tim right about now. She said she was going to be short and she's still going. I'm almost done, guys. Okay, I just got into telling stories um, But I'm grateful that I have a house of God that I can come to and there's uh, children's ministries and all kinds of ministries, you know, healing ministry. I, I mean, I have so many people I can just pick up the phone and just call or text for prayer at any time, day or night. I mean, I I I have sisters and brothers I can talk to, and they feed us good, and they fix us all those good goodies. And I I've got a chocolate cherry cake that I think I know who fixed for us, uh, waiting for me as 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 I leave tonight. You know all those things. I'm grateful for those things, and you know sometimes I'm like, Lord, I am so behind on writing thank you notes, but I just want to tell you. I really appreciate, I appreciate every, every act of, of kindness uh, and 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 giving that you guys showed to us, and, and we're just grateful. We're blessed. Amen? Amen. How about, are you grateful for your job or your business, if you're a business owner? Let's be grateful. Let's not complain about our boss and our coworkers and, you know, it, it's, there's no perfect, just like there's no perfect family, there's no perfect job. No, even pastoring, you know, people think, oh, I would give anything to be a pastor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, I'll switch with you. <laughs> it, but it's a calling. And, you know, we, um, we press through the tough times. We press through and we, we say, we're not, we're not camping here. We're going to keep moving forward. And with every battle, we just get stronger. Amen? And so I'm grateful. And, and I think God wants us to be grateful for our jobs, for our businesses. No, there's no perfect job. I hate to tell you that. But you know what? If you're grateful, you can find more good things about your place where you spend so much of your time than bad things. Amen? Amen? So let's be grateful for that. And I believe when we're grateful, just like I was grateful for having the opportunity to go and serve the elderly by cleaning their houses, you know, God promoted me. And, um, you know, I didn't have to stay there. But my attitude, I believe, uh, is what opened the door for me to walk into the next level. You know, the, when when the Israelites were in um, the wilderness, you know they were complaining and they were murmuring and they were looking back and they were uh, uh, asking or craving or wanting the food that they ate in Egypt. Do you know where, what they ate in Egypt? Did you ever read in the Bible? It's like, okay, let me see what kind of good food did they eat in Egypt? It was garlic, onions, and lentils. Garlic, onions, and beans—they all stink. And then God brings them into a land that flows with milk and honey. Amen. And manna. You know, God gave them manna. You know, to sustain them through that season. You may be in a season where you're eating manna. But let's not complain and go back and, and eat the stinky stuff. Okay? Let's not, let's not focus on, on, on the bad stuff. Let's, let's focus on... Even the manna where you are. Maybe you're in a place where God is just, you're just being sustained. You know God's got better for you. And hey, that's awesome. It's great to dream. It's great not to get stuck where you are right now in this season. But don't complain. Say, Lord, I thank you for this manna. I thank you for the job that you have me in right now to sustain me through this season of uh, this desert. You know, you may be in a desert season, but let's just thank him and say, Lord, I thank you for the manna. I'm not going to say, Lord, it was better when I was doing such and such and such and such. And, you know, let's not go back. Let's go forward and say, Lord, I thank you. You know, manna is not always very tasty, but it's sustaining you. You're paying your bills, aren't you? You're not, you're not being evicted. Your lights are not being cut off. Amen? And if they are, you let me know. We'll make sure we help you. Amen? And then the last thing, let's be thankful for our health. You know, that it's, I, I couldn't say one, two, three, four, five, you know, the, the priorities, because they're all important. And, you know, you don't realize how much you appreciate your health until you don't have it or you know something goes wrong and let's not wait until we need a healing to be grateful for healing let's be grateful for divine health that we walk in divine health every day of our lives and if there is anything wrong in our bodies that God would heal before it manifests amen if there's anything, any cells that are try, trying to go bad or, or any, you know, anything in our organs that God would heal and restore, amen, and, and that we would continue to walk in that divine health, let's thank him. If you're going through some uh, uh, health issues, if you're having health issues, thank God, say, thank you, God, for my healing, Lord, I may not see the manifestation of it right now, but, Lord, I thank you that all things are possible with you because a thankful heart attracts miracles. Isn't that what I said in the beginning? A grateful heart, a thankful heart attracts, is a magnet for miracles. And so either way, you can be thankful for what God has done for you or you can be grateful for what God is about to do for you. So either way, you win. Amen? We can put it all together and say, Lord, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for what you are yet to do in my life. Amen. And when we are grateful, that brings glory to God, our heavenly father. It puts a smile on his face. He says, that's my daughter. That's my son in whom I am well pleased. I delight in hearing their praises. Amen? Because when we speak well about what God is doing in our lives, that's praise to God. Did you know that? That we don't have to necessarily sing a praise and worship song to give praise to God. We can give praise to God through our speech. Our conversation can be praise to God or praise to the enemy. And so let's be a people who give praise to God And then in return, he gets the glory, and people can say, Wow, they have an awesome God. Amen. And that goodness of God will bring them to repentance. And when we, in an atmosphere of praise and thanksgiving, the enemy can't stand it. I mean, he gets out of there so fast. Amen. He gets out of there so fast, and he takes all the bitterness and all the uh, pride and all the negative stuff. He can pack up his bags with all that stuff that he brings and take it with him. Amen? So that's the cool thing is when praise and thanksgiving and worship fill our hearts and fill our mouths, then we invite God's presence, we repel the enemy. The enemy packs his bags and gets out. Amen? We don't want him camping out in our, in our minds or in our lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand uh, as, as we close this service. I know you probably have many other reasons to be grateful for. I just wanted to count our blessings, just a few of them. But I mean, if God didn't do anything else for us than what we just talked about tonight, he's good. I mean, he is good. And um, tonight, I just want us to Close with a a prayer of thanksgiving, and I just pray that you're going to go out of here tonight, just saying, "Wow, I feel like a million bucks," because you are worth more than a million bucks, Amen. And and you 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 are so blessed. And um, and as you leave tonight, I pray that you're going to change the atmosphere, and you're going to start attracting. You're going to see the miracles of God manifest in your life, Amen. As a result of this word um, that we received, Father, we just thank you tonight. We bless you, Lord. we thank you, Lord, tonight, Lord, we just so loved looking at your goodness, Lord, through Lord, through your word, through our history, Lord, through stories in our lives that we could sit here and just talk about about how good you are. Lord, you're so faithful. We thank you tonight for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Lord, I pray that, Lord, Thanksgiving would become a lifestyle. Lord, that we wouldn't just do it once a year on Thanksgiving Day, but, Lord, every day. And, Lord, I pray, God, that, Lord, our hearts would just overflow with your goodness and with, with gratefulness for who you are. And as we go, Father, I pray that you would use us, Lord, to bring this spirit, Lord, to those who need it, to those who maybe, Lord, the enemy's gotten them focused on the negative, those who just don't see a way out. Father, use us, Lord, to bring your light and hope into those situations. Lord, we thank you for calling us for such a time as this to shine forth your light and your glory in and through our lives. We bless you. Lord, we thank you for your protection for everyone as we travel, as we go to visit with family. Lord, we pray that your angels will encamp around us and minister to us and through us. And Lord, we thank you for the healing and the restoration of of every single person in our church family who needs it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.